If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Right, while they're still getting their, their gifts, I, uh, I'd like to say Happy Mother's Day to my mother. Ann Holler is here today. And I'm honored to be uh, speaking in front of her. And of course, she brought along her partner in crime, my dad. And uh, <clears throat> I love you, Mom, and I really appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day. What a great day, huh? Yeah. So glad you guys came to church today and um, brought your families. Um, I, I'm, we're actually jumping into a, a new series today on the family. I'm not going to really be addressing you mothers as much about motherhood as um, we tend to normally do a Mother's Day message. But today, I'm really, we're just laying the foundation for a series that we're beginning to be talking about motherhood down the road. But in about the next five or six weeks, we're going to cover the family and all the dynamics of the family and how that it is God's design. God invented the family. God put this whole thing together. He orchestrated it. And not only did he do it, he gave us a blueprint to live our lives by. He gave us a way to have a family and to live as a successful family in the earth. And, and to, yeah, we've got stuff going on in our families, right? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we, we have good and bad and ugly, but here's the deal. God has given us, and we need every advantage that we can, that we can have, and God has given us a way to have an absolute advantage in the world according to his plan and his purpose. You know, I found out a long time ago and continuing to find out that if you just do it God's way, life is so much easier. Yeah. It is so much simpler. I was told uh, we had a marriage retreat this past weekend. If you were there, would you raise your hand? Any of our couples that were there at the marriage retreat, we had such a great time. I think we had a dozen couples there over, the, over Friday night and then Saturday, and we just had a fantastic time out at Camp Victory that sits on uh, Lake Texoma. And we just, uh, I, I really appreciate all who were there and a lot of fun. But I was talking to them about this, talking to them about how God has this incredible plan, this design for us, and that if we'll live in the bounds of that, we will prosper. And that I have found that the, the older I get, and I've been walking with the Lord, I, got, I gave my life to Jesus at about the age of five. And I've told you this before, that I, my parents were attending Christ for the Nations in 1970-something. And uh, 76, right? This was the first. And so we got bussed over to this church. It's right real close to um, Christ for the Nations. At the time, it was called Oak Cliff Assembly of God. I don't know what it's called anymore. But... but the Oaks, the Oaks. So me and my brother went to this kids' crusade, and they bust us all in there. And man, they had a big show. It was, a huge, it was awesome. It was fun, exciting. And this puppet show going on. And this puppet started preaching the gospel, man. And I mean, this dude knew what was up. And he preached so hard, and he made me feel like I needed God so bad. All the sin that I had committed up to that point, the age of five, the, the trail of, of chaos and, and degradation, and, and, and uh, it was... I needed to do something. I didn't need to make a change. And so I, that puppet invited me to come up to the front and give my life to Jesus. And so I did. I submitted to that puppet. <laughs> and that day, my journey with God began. My life with God began. And I'm excited. 35 years later, I am learning a thing about the Lord. I have learned and continue to learn that the simpler, I mean, the older I get, the simpler God gets. It's really, the life of faith really is in, in, it's just simple. Now, there are, there are complexities about it because we have things come at us, but if we'll just walk by faith, we win. Yes, amen. That's the truth. 
If we just walk by faith, we win. If we'll just believe God, we will win. No matter what kind of trial or circumstance coming our way, if we'll just believe God. And then when you, because when you believe God, then you keep yourself in the realm of everything is possible. Anything is possible. Something like if God is able, we are able. You come to that understanding. If God is able, because he's in me, because he's with me, if he has the ability, then he has tied me right into that ability. So I don't care what it looks like, what it feels like, what it smells like, what it sounds like. God is able. And if he's able, I am able. Hallelujah. We can do all things through Christ. Amen. So today uh, we're going to look into the very beginning. It's important that we start, see how the family started and what happened there. And I'm here to, to um, preach the word to you. That's, that really is my duty, to, to rightly divide the word of truth, to bring you scripture. I'm not a politician. I wasn't voted in and I'm not going to be voted out. Amen. So uh, I'm not going to try to stand up here and be politically correct. As a matter of fact, it's kind of the opposite thing is going to happen because when you look at the scriptures, uh, it ain't politically correct. And so I'm, I'm just giving you a disclaimer for the next few weeks. This is going to happen. I'm just going to give you truth. I'm going to give you what the Word of God says, and it's going to go opposite of what you see on TV at times. It's going to go opposite of what you hear on the radio or what you've learned in school. It's just, that's just the way it is. Because the truth is, men's wisdom at its best is totally bankrupt. And God's wisdom is forever. I love Psalm 33, 11 that says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Which means that, see, politicians are going to come and go, but the word of God will always endure. Amen. Amen? And so we're going to look into the word of God. Because where the word of God is, there is life. There is peace, there is hope, there is joy, there is renewal, there is hope again. Listen to me, that's what I love about the Word of God. It keeps me hoping. Yes. It just keeps you, there's such, it's such a message of hope. The message of God to us is such a message of hope. Don't give up, don't quit. If you've fallen down, listen to me, you can get back up and keep moving forward. God is on your side. God has a new beginning for you. God has a whole new start for you. That's why he set up day and night the way it, he did. So that when the sun came up, the Bible says that his mercies were brand new. Uh, at that moment, the sun peaked up over the horizon, the mercies of God were brand new for you. Every day there are new mercies. Every day, there's a new beginning for you. Amen. So however you've landed here today, I want to speak hope into your life. And grace, because these are the powers of God. Mm -hmm. In Genesis chapter um, uh, 1, that's the start, isn't it? <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. See, if God created you like him, that means that you have the power to have dominion. It's the first thing he says. Let us make man like us. Let him have dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Gave you dominion over the creeps. Now, the word for God here is the word Elohim. It speaks of the plurality of God. Yes, God is one, yet he is three. It's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one times one times one equals one. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is God. And all his attributes, all his persons were here at this moment when he said, let us make man in our image. At the very beginning of our, of our existence, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were there, present. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And God said, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, let us make man in our image. And what I think is awesome here, it says, let them have dominion. Everybody say them. Now, that doesn't just speak of a single man. Let them have dominion. The word dominion means the right and the power to govern and control. God's first gift to mankind was the right and the power to govern and control. Ladies and gentlemen, that gift is still in operation today in the earth. That gift is for you. The right and the power to govern and control. And prior to this event, God had already set in motion these laws for life. One was everything produces after its own kind. Another one was the, the fruit, inside the fruit is the seed, and that seed will produce more of the same fruit. He also made seed time and harvest. And so when Adam and Eve showed up, these things were here waiting on them to put them into motion. Genesis 1 one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was what? Good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now, on day four, God actually created the sun, the moon, and the stars. So there was, a, there was a separating going on here of light from dark, of or, from order, order from chaos. God was separating things. He was, he was putting things in motion. He was getting the earth ready for us to be here. And so he put us here. Part of our design is to separate order from chaos, to create order and to control chaos. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created a species called man, two types, male and female. So whatever God has said to man, he has said to male and female. This is important that we all understand this, because God blessed them. The very same blessing that God blessed Adam with was the same blessing he blessed Eve with. He blessed them. They, they had equality. They had the, both had the equal ability to have dominion in the earth. That is the right and the power to govern and control. Verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue the earth, have dominion. Isn't this wonderful? He's given us a responsibility for this earth, on this earth. See, you weren't created for this world. This world was created for you. All the things that were in it were created for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because you're the one, you're the only creature on earth that is created in the image of God. Contrary to popular belief, you are at the top of the food chain. Amen. Amen. Everything else is submitted to you. There's no other thing like you. Animals aren't like you. They run by instinct. You're the only creature on the earth that has the ability to think, to choose, to reason. And God gave us this other gift. Not only the right to have dominion, but also the right to choose. But with that choice comes responsibility. I believe it was Spider-Man's aunt that said, with great power comes great responsibility. Right? A-U-N-T, not A-N-T. God invented the family so he knows how it works. He knows how it works. Amen. Well, he does know how it works. God made this whole thing. He knows what to do. And he's given us instruction on what to do, how to be a, a, a family in the earth, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, and how to raise our children. He's given us a blueprint. He's given us a plan. But what I hate seeing is people off the plan, trying to do it some other way, outside of his way. All that brings is heartache. All that brings is misery. All that brings is disappointment. All that brings is failure. All that brings are, are pains and hurts that were never designed for you to experience. Right. He set up this plan for us, being made in his image. Now, I have to ask a question, a couple of questions today based on this. If that's the case, if we are then called by God to create order and to control chaos, I think we all have to ask ourselves this question, am I an agent then of order or am I an agent of chaos in my own home? Are you using God's gifts to create order or are you bringing chaos to your family? It's amazing how many people are agents of chaos in their own homes, a place where you ought to be safe place where you ought to feel secure, yet there's chaos. You cannot be an agent of order in your life if you continue to justify your chaos by saying stuff like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm bringing chaos, but it's because she brought it first or because of what he did, right? Hey, it don't work like that. You remember Adam already tried that? You remember when they got busted? We're eating the fruit, right? And God said, what have you done? And Adam said, <clears throat> the woman that you gave me, she did this. She started this, right? Typical man. She started this, right? Now, so Adam blames Eve, and he pretty much blames God here. The woman you gave me. You made somebody comparable for me? Yeah, well, you see how that turned out, God, right? Well, listen, here's the deal. What does God say? Because we see that, we see that, we see that Adam blames even God, but in the New Testament, God blames Adam. God says Adam's fault this happened. By one man's sin, not by a man and a woman's sin, didn't even blame Eve. By one man's sin, the man Adam, he's the one that brought death to all mankind. Whoa. Who do you think was right in that argument, by the way? God or Adam? (laughs) 
So why? Why? Why is Adam the one responsible for this? Because Adam's the one that came here first. He was told first by God to guard this garden. It came to him first. Now I want you to look at Genesis chapter 2. Chapter 1 kind of gives us a brief summary of what happened at creation. Chapter 2 goes into greater detail. Look at verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. What an amazing picture there, huh? And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend it, and what's that say? Keep it. To tend it and to keep it. This word for keep, the first definition for the word keep is guard. He put Adam here to tend this garden and to guard this garden. To watch, to protect. What in the world is he protecting this garden against? What is he guarding against? See, I show you that because a lot of times we have the idea that Adam was was simply floating on air walking through the garden and everything was perfect and everything was good and he was just going around saying well great this is God's giving me this beautiful butterflies and trees and life is so good oh God caused him to tend it and to guard it because here's the thing I believe God was saying to Adam hey there's a thief here and this thief is going to try to take this garden from you this thief is here, and he's going to try to rob you and me from my plan being accomplished in this garden. Because I ultimately believe it was God's plan for Adam to extend the garden, to grow it out. There were four rivers that came out of here, and I believe that by those rivers, that, that, that the vegetation and things were just going to continue to go out from there. I believe it all started right here, and he was called him to tend it and to guard it. Adam, you've got to be on your guard. And the next question we need to ask ourselves, especially you men, am I guarding my house? Yeah. Am I guarding my garden? Am I watching out for it? Because you have a great responsibility. Not only are you an agent of chaos or of order, but you also have a call from God to guard your house. Amen. 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 But here's the thing. You can't guard your house if you ain't guarding your own heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the boundaries of life, the issues of life. We have to have boundaries. We have to have boundaries. We have to set boundaries. God has has boundaries for us to live in, not, not to be some tyrant. He gives us these rules so that we can live at our maximum potential as his creation. That's why you love sports. You wouldn't love football if there was no out of bounds. If they could just throw the football anywhere and they could just go all over the place. You go, what the heck's going on? This is chaos. No, we need, but, but because there are sidelines, because there are rules to the game, you can't just do whatever you want to. Football is created by rules. And when the athlete learns the rules, then he can be the greatest football player that he possibly can be. See, God has rules for your family. God has rules for you as a man, for you as a woman, and how to raise your children, how to love one another. And then you can live at your maximum potential to see God's greatest things being revealed into your life. But if you get outside of that, then all you find is chaos. Amen. I I think I needed a little bit better amen than that, but I'll let you off the hook this time anyway. 
Verse 16 of Genesis 2 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. What a generous God. What an amazing God. He gets to eat all the trees in the garden, and God says, Just one. One tree is mine. You get everything else. And what did the devil do? The serpent got them looking at what they couldn't have. Rather than all that was abundant to them, rather than all the prosperity that was all around them, he began to make him think, make them think that God was holding out on them, that God was being stingy. There was something that God was holding back from them. So there was some information. And all he could do was cause them to see that God was stingy rather than generous. That's the lie of the devil all the time. He's always trying to minimize what God wants to do and has already done for you. See, that's why we have the Spirit of God. I love 1 Corinthians 2.12. It says, we have received the Spirit not of the world, but the Spirit who's from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. See, God is present in you so that you can know what has freely been given to you, not what's been taken away from you, not what you can't have, not what you must not do, not thou shalt not, but what you have been given. Amen. That's what that's the spirit of God on the inside of you. Now there was a time that when God dealt with man and thou shalt not and thou shalt and thou shalt not and thou shalt mostly thou shalt not. Thank God I don't live in that day. I don't know about you, but I'm really happy not to be under the law. I'm happy to be under the grace of Almighty God so that sin has no hold on me. Hallelujah. Grace is what empowered me to break that yoke and to keep it off of me, to walk in the power and strength of Almighty God. The moment I heard thou shalt not, I wanted to. Now, let's just be real. Huh? When you hear, I don't do that, you don't need, what, what do you want to do? I'll show you. I'm an American for Pete's sake. You don't tell me what I can't do. All right? <laughs> hey, this, all, this whole thing started by faith. You, you walk by faith, you walk in righteousness. You walk in purity. You walk in holiness. That's all revealed. That's all known and lived by faith. That's, Abraham did it 400 and some odd years before the law ever came. Amen. And so we've been blessed with Abraham today. Hallelujah. Now, this is what happened was when God told him, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you're going to die. The literal text means in dying, you shall die. There's a double meaning to it. He died at that moment. The moment that Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they didn't drop dead physically, but in the spirit, their candle went out. (sighs) Darkness came flooding in. And all the evil came rushing into their band, and, and it began to separate them from this source of life and light. Now, from that day forward, I don't know how old they were at this point, but I think their age started being counted that day because there, no, there, no, there was no plan for man to die at that point. There was no plan of God for man to have an end of days. He was created to live forever. But that day the clock started ticking on Adam's life. And the Bible says that they lived nine, he lived 930 years. I believe that's an incredible grace already after what he had done. Right. He died at 930 years. The Bible says that to God, a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years. Even in that day to God, a thousand years, Adam did die in that day physically. The day of the... He ate of it, his spirit died, and in that day of a thousand years, he died. God said, it is not good, verse 18. 
It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Comparable. This is so good. He says it's not good. It's the first time throughout the whole creation process that God sees something that's not good. Everything he created, he saw that it was good. Said that it was good. But this time he sees Adam and he sees that there's no match for Adam. There's no one that can compare. Of all this incredible creation, he said, I'm going to make a helper comparable to him. Not lower than him. Not second class citizen. Comparable. Comparable to him. Like him. The Hebrew text, I love the original Hebrew text. Listen to the way it says it. It's not good that Adam's strength should be spread out this way. I will make someone to help him like he's helping me. Woman. She came from man. Genesis 2, 19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man, and Adam said, this is good. Well, I would have said that probably first thing. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. God took a rib from his side. And you'll hear me talk about this at weddings, and Pastor John as well, that God took a rib not from his head, so that she would lord over him. And he did not take a, 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 a bone from his foot. That's a rib from his head? Bone from his head so that she would lord over him. <laughs> or take a bone from his foot so that he would lord over her. But he took the rib from his side so that they, they together could walk in this grace called life. Hallelujah. Side by side, man and woman, equal blessing, equal power, and uh, to, to have dominion. Isn't that wonderful? Equal. Comparable to him. Comparable to him. Equality. Hallelujah. I think the ladies ought to get real excited about that. I believe that. In equal, I mean, we have, we, have a, um, we have women on our staff. Can you believe that? More than guys. I found out women actually get the job done. But. Now listen, the devil will try to get in and he's going to try to destroy your garden. He's going to try to tear your house down and you have to guard your house. So God called this sleep to fall on Adam. Adam went to sleep, a single man. Chase, can you imagine this? Chase is single. In case anybody's looking. Handsome, single. Got a job. <laughs> He's not going to turn around either. Just stay right. Just keep, just keep punching buttons. <laughs> but he woke up married. He went to sleep single and woke up married. Wow. What, a, what an amazing thing. I mean, that's, well, that's the truth. That is the truth. That happens in Vegas all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> it? Yeah. 
I think some of us are still waking up. Some of us guys are still figuring this thing out, right? But he took the rib and he formed Eve. This this rib signifies equality. They stand together. And then Adam speaks in verse 24. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to or be joined to his wife and they shall become one. One what? It doesn't just say stop at one. They shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh. So marriage is to be enjoyed in the flesh. Marriage is to be enjoyed right here on this earth in this body. And it's the only place that you're going to be able to enjoy that. I know some of you think that you're going to live in a mansion with your spouse someday, and you're going to be married forever. Uh Uh-uh. Ain't going to happen like that. I know you, you got happily ever after in your mind, and you think that that's how it's going to be. No, till death do you part. There's a reason why we say till death do you part. I was telling the other side, I had a friend years ago who took death to you part, took that till death to you part out of, his, out of his vows and said, no, we're going to say forever. Right? I'm thinking, what if you die, man? She's supposed to stay married to you forever? No. Till death do you part. That's when the marriage is over. Jesus said, hey, when the husband dies, hey, she's free to marry again. Or, or, or same for him. Right? Till death do you part, though. That should be the only separation in your marriage till death. Let death be the only thing that separates you from your wife or your husband. Death. Now, till death do you part. So it's to be enjoyed right here on this earth together. God's, but here's why. Because this, this is really a picture. Everything points to Jesus. I love that about the scripture. It always points us to Jesus. Amen. The love of our lives. The darling of heaven, as, as one songwriter wrote. The darling of heaven. He is everything. I mean, the whole created, this is all actually created for him, to him, through him, by him, in him. Everything is about him. And all we are are pictures of what Jesus and his church really are. The reality of Christ and his bride. Us, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. So when you're in heaven, you're going to be married to him. You're not going to be thinking about, oh, I wish I had my husband here. I wish I had my wife. Hey, listen, compared to Jesus, there ain't no comparison. There ain't no comparison because the truth is we are all one in him. You're not one in the spirit when you get married. You're one in the spirit when you believe on Jesus. But you're one in the flesh on that wedding night. And hopefully a lot more after that. Hopefully regularly. Amen, men. I, you, did, you left me hanging there all by myself. Just left me hanging. Well, I'm going to have to preach on that sometime. No, y'all can go to Ed Young's church if y'all want to hear that message. Huh? All right. See, God pushes us together, see. There's this oneness in the flesh. And that has to do also with our communication with one another, that, you know, that we are, you're sensitive to, to her needs and she's sensitive to your needs, all those things. But, but, but I, mean, I mean, in just the literalness of it, it has to do with that bedroom action. Hallelujah. Because that's part of our responsibility is to be fruitful and multiply. Powerful. God puts Adam in this garden, gives him Eve, and he gives them instruction to act like him in the earth. 
act like him in the earth. So you have a responsibility to bring order. You have a responsibility to guard your home. And listen to me. The children, those little blessings that you have in your house, they are going to do what they can to test your togetherness and your oneness because they have this instinct to divide and conquer. If they can get one side working against another, then they got you just as mom and dad and not as husband and wife in the house. And they keep you in that category. Well, my, I mean, to this, my kids know the rules, and to this day, they still know. They still try it. My daughters, they're, they're teenagers now. And let me tell you something. They can talk a good talk. They can make me question my wife. <laughs> if I really stood there long enough and listened to them, I could, I could seriously start to think, well, maybe Heather is overreacting. <laughs> right? And then I have to snap out and go, what am I doing? No, no. Go somewhere else. Go to your room. Whatever mom says, that's it. Right? That's it. And she says, whatever dad says, that's it. Right. But you have to be vigilant with that. You have to, you have to, you have to, to force yourself to stay one. But one of the things we did at the marriage retreat was that for an hour and a half, all the couples had to touch each other. No, not all of them. No, not all of us touching each other. I mean, like each couple. <laughs> Me and her only. Donna Crystal only. All right. That's how it was. The English language is beautiful, isn't it? And we had to walk. I mean, we were walking around. Even, uh, after I finished the message, we were walking around. You can see them holding on to each other and, you know, doing whatever is possible. It, she was walking with me, even while I was preaching, just like I am right now, thoroughly annoyed that she was having to do this. But we made each other touch each other. I mean, we just hold on to each other, hold on to each other. See, if you keep this oneness all the time, your children see that. That's really what they long to see. You're the, you're the picture of what life is, what they're, what they're going to grow up and be like. And see, I told my kids, hey, listen, we've, we've told them this a long time ago. Hey, we started this thing. You didn't start this thing. You live by our rules. That's why you don't run around in a restaurant and act like a maniac. Yes. You sit down at the table and you, and you eat your food. You shut your mouth. It ain't cute to do anything other than obey. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's when you're at your cutest, your darlingest. When you're obeying. Children, you have one command from God. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long on the earth. Amen. They have one command. One command. Obey your parents. Hey, moms and dads, you need to learn that. Don't let your kids run your house. You run the house. You run the house. That's what you're called to do. They're not mature enough to do that. They're dumb. They're kids. They're not smart enough for that. They're immature. They're not, they're, believe me, every decision they make is, the end of it is going to have to do with candy in their mouth. All right? However they can get it. 
Whatever it takes, it's going to be to their advantage. Not to what is good, not to what is whole, not to what is right, but can, how can I get some candy? How can I serve me? Right? That's how we have to teach them the right way. Parents, train up a child in the way they should go. Right? Not in the way they want to go, but in the way they should go. So that when they're old, they'll not depart from it. So we, so we tell them, hey, listen, we got rules here. Me and, me and this woman, we have rules here. And you don't abide by those rules, you're out of the garden. Because you're not bringing chaos here. I'm called by God to guard my garden. If you're not, if you're not with the program, Bubba, you're out. That's the greatest thing I can do for my children. Some of you don't like that. I know you've been Oprahized and Dr. Philized. And... No, 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 no. You stick with Because here's the deal. At the end of the day, she's what matters the most to me. I love you, but not like I love her. Man, it got quiet right there. And you know what? When you move your little rear end out of this house and we can start affording things again, then her and I, her and I, we're going to still be together. It starts with us. It ends with us. You're here for a while. All right? You're here for a while. And you have the privilege of being here. But if you're not going to be here, sayonara. It's us. All right? They shall become one flesh. And so God begins to put this pressure on you to oneness. And man, it ain't fun sometimes. Because when you come together, you got bumps on you. When those bumps start scraping against each other, she had more bumps than I did when we got married, by the way. I mean, they... Start smoothing things off. Man, that is not a fun process. And there are times in our marriage that we wanted to quit. She more than I, apparently. But obviously. But there, there were times. I mean, in our fifth year, our fifth year of marriage, was, was, it was a landmark time in our lives. We've been married almost 18 in August. But our fifth year was a make or break year for us. It's, a, it's the year we talk about. That, that, was the, that was the year that we set a... We already set the resolve five years before, but we didn't realize all the trouble we were going to go through. But at that fifth year, we decided, all right, we've come this far. Let's make it happen. And we went, out, we went to a cabin out of Canyon Lake. Well, I'm not going to tell you all the details of it because it was just us two. But we, had, we had an incredible time of healing and just, just being together and just talking about our future together, talking about what God's plan is for us, and that our, wor- our love is worth fighting for. And I'm here to tell you, your love is worth fighting for. Yes, amen. Staying together is worth fighting for. Now, I know I still have a lot to learn. She's already figured it all out, but I'm still trying to learn it. But listen to me. You're going to have to just be vigilant in guarding your house. You have to be vigilant in staying together, all right? Because there is a thief out there who's coming to steal, to kill and to destroy. But praise God, you have God on your side who's there to give you life and that more abundantly. Amen? Amen. 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 I love you. Okay, I'm almost done. I know you guys have lunch to get to with mom and all that fun stuff. Hallelujah. Listen to this. John 14, I'll finish with this. John 14, 23, it says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. This is why we guard our homes, because God is in our homes. Just like he was there at the very beginning, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, so he is there 
if you are a believer, in your home. And if, if, more, if more men and women would get that reality in their lives, if they would understand that, I believe that we could eradicate divorce in, this, in the earth, at least from our homes. How many of you checked your, your spare before you came to church today? You checked your spare tire. Anybody here check your How many of you have a spare in your car? All right, you know it's there. But it's either under the car or it's in the trunk. It's out of sight, out of mind. But man, oh man, oh man, when the tire goes flat, that spare becomes the most important thing in your life. And if you don't watch over that thing, if you don't make yourself aware that that spare's there, if you just say, well, I'll just use it for, for another day, then a lot of times we get that spare out and what do we find out? The spare ain't got no air, Right? <laughs> So the spare becomes just as much a problem as everything else. But it's not needed. It, it, it's not important until it's needed. But ladies and gentlemen, Christian families push God. They put him in the closet. They put him in the trunk and said, now listen, you're going to be there. We're going to do things our way. And yeah, you're, yeah you're, we're Christians and you're there. But you just stay there in the closet. But when trouble comes, we're going to be calling on you and, and you better perform for us. We're going to need you when the trouble comes. We're going to need you when things go south. And God is treated like a spare tire in so many homes. And so guess what? They're running on flat tires. They're limping through life, doing the best they can when they have the solution right there in their home. God is in your home. God is in your home. Keep him on the throne, not the toilet, on the throne in your home. All right? Keep him on the throne. Let him be God. Let him be Lord of your life. Let him teach you. Let him show you. Do it his way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is how we start. This is all where the family starts. God lays out this blueprint for us and says, here's a plan. You can, success. You can, you can succeed. You can have everything that I have for you. Just stay in balance. Stay in. Amen. Husbands and wives, you're called together. Blessed by God together. Live your lives that way. Raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Start today. Start today. If you don't know how to do it, hey, listen. Keep, come back here. All right? Just keep coming. We're going to learn a lot of great things about the family here. God has a way for you, and it's a way of life, and that more abundantly. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for this time and your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word that it is your word that stands forever. And Lord, there, there are those here today. Lord, there's all kinds of situations going on, all kinds of dynamics in people's lives here. I, I don't know everybody's situation, but thank God you do. And Lord, you care and you're concerned. There are some here today, God, who, who have made some choices in their life and, and their garden has been robbed. thief has come and they've, they've let down their guard. There's been chaos that have, has ensued. Father, <laughs> greater than our failure, greater than our trouble, greater than our trials, our disappointments, and our bad choices is your grace. Somehow you know exactly what to do. Somehow you know how to 
to help us pick up the pieces and keep moving forward. Somehow you bring healing that we could never, ever do. Somehow you're able to make us have peace even in the worst kind of situations. When all hell is busting loose, God, you have a way about you because you are the solution to every trouble. You are the answer. You are a very present help in time of need. God, there are those that are here today that need you. They need you, God. They need need your help. They're hurting. They're lost. They're confused. They feel like they're dying. Father God, I pray that you would breathe life into them even now by your spirit. Do what only you can do now. Heal, restore, bring hope again. Hallelujah. You care about the family. You care about the husband and the wife and the children. Father, help us all to, at this moment, just embrace your way. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I need God's help right now. My family is not enjoying that peace and that joy and that strength that you're talking about. We're not experiencing life and that more abundantly at this moment. Today, I need God to help me. I need his help. And, and, I, and I, by raising my hand, not only am I saying I need his help, but I'm submitting to him that whatever he says, I'll do. Whatever he tells me to do, I'll do. Wherever he tells me to go, I'll go. And I'm submitting to him. I'm saying that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. God is on the throne of my life. And I'm determined I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to do it his way. Because I want all this good stuff that he has for me. Are you here today? Just raise Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep them up. Just hold them up for just a moment. Father, you see these hands. You see these here who are here today, God, in need. And you have a supply. You have an answer. You have grace. You have peace. You have life. And Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus as they are, as they are repenting, as they're changing their minds, God, even right now, as they're, they're getting a new thought, as they're determined to walk a new way, God, that is your way. And I pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus for your grace to flood them. I pray right now, God, that they would experience your love like they've never known before because, God, it is your love that casts out all fear, that they would not fear, but, God, they would forge ahead in faith. They would trust God at this moment, that they'll let go of all the stuff that they've been holding on to, everything that they felt like they just had to grasp, and if they wouldn't hold it so tight, God, that, if they, that maybe it would just go away, or if they held it tight enough, it would just, wouldn't ever go away, but God, we found out that it does. But Lord, we are in your grasp, and I pray, God, right now, even as your word says, that we cast our care upon you because you care for us. Lord, take this weight, take this burden, take this hurt and this pain, and Lord, bring your healing, bring your restoration, bring your life in the name of Jesus. I thank you now, God. Lord, even in the days ahead, God, there's going to be a new reality for these today. There's going to be a new hope, Lord. There's going to be a new, a, a fresh beginning, Lord. There's going, to be, there's going to be an enthusiasm and an excitement, Lord, that they've not known in some time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for doing what only you can do at this moment. And I thank you that you are faithful, 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 faithful. You love your church. You love your people. You love the family, God. And I thank you, God, for causing these families to shore up. The the foundation would be strong in Jesus' name. That they would choose, even as Joshua said, 
hey, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you whom this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.